Hello, good evening. Um, I'm Rachel Blackmore, as you probably know, and I am a relationship therapist and coach who specialises in helping you to find the one. This evening, I want to be talking to you about quite a contentious issue, so bear with me. Um, I want to talk about desire and devotion um, and why it's so difficult to find a relationship with a partner who doesn't cheat. Um, I went to a conference a little while ago and I um, and it, it kind of made me think about the, the work that I do with people and the things that I come up that, that people come up with time and again and it's the same sort of issues and, and I went on this conference and it kind of made some things fall into place and make sense and it made me wonder about um, why it is that certain relationships don't work out and why the same issues seem to be so difficult for so many people. Um, and it seems that actually the way that we're programmed might mean that we have more to contend with than we realised when it comes to being committed uh, and devoted to just one person for your entire life. So Dr. Chris Hamilton was doing a seminar and he, it was titled Desire and Devotion and I took part of what he was saying and what he was talking about and I combined it with some other stuff um, that I learned on the conference. So this is just, this is really a synthesis of the things that I learned on that day and how I've interpreted them um, to try to explain why there is such a high rate of divorce nowadays. Um, so basically, he said that our ancestors and our culture are what influence our desires. He says um, that to a large extent, they are unchosen. So we don't actually choose what we want, what we desire. Um, it's, it's kind of part of our DNA, really. And we've got first order desires and second order desires. So, for example, um, I have a second order desire to lose weight. Okay, because uh, a second order desire is something that's long term. It's, a, it's like big picture, if you like. So, so I want to lose weight because that's more acceptable in society. Nowadays, it is seen as being better to be thinner um, and, and that therefore more acceptable. So that's what I want. However, a first order desire is something that is more driven by impulse. So let's say I've got a piece of cake in front of me and I really want to eat that cake because I like cake. It's tasty and while I'm eating it, it makes me feel really good. So for that moment, my first order desire to eat that piece of cake is more um, compelling than my second order desire to lose weight. So I will eat the cake. And then afterwards, that's when the guilt and the remorse sets in uh, because it's a short term pleasure. But it's something that's irresistible because it is an impulse that's that's within me. Um, so often the first order desires. I'm so sorry about the light. I don't know if you can see that on the video, but it keeps flicking. I'm ever so sorry about that. Um, it's often often the first order desires aren't in our best interests. They're things that we kind of can't help ourselves with, uh, even if we know that. So let's put this in the context of romantic relationships, because obviously that's what I'm most interested in. And um, 
when you think about the you know the relationships that you might have found yourself in in the past or maybe a relationship that you're in now you have that desire that second order desire to remain faithful to your partner of course you do you know that's that's what we all want we want our partner to remain faithful and devoted to us and we want to give the same in return and also that's more acceptable in society in our western culture in the society we live in that's what we do however we have evolved to crave novelty. So we, we're constantly looking around for the, for, for the next big thing, for the next new exciting thing. So that's, you know, fashion, um, that's in terms of clothes, you know, the, the trend for eating avocado, example, at the moment, and um, technology. I mean, Apple have capitalised wonderfully on this kind of shiny object syndrome that we have. Uh, because we're constantly craving something new. So this this craving for novelty makes devotion really difficult. Um, and if you add to that the fact that we have this hunger for imaginative thought, um, you know, that it can make things really difficult. So this hunger for imaginative thought is, you know, we imagine how things could be better. So we imagine that our life could be better if... We, we, we imagine what our life could be like. So it's that kind of grass is greener on the other side adage. Um, you know, it could be better if I earned more money or um, I would be happier if I lived in a bigger house or if I was with a different person. And you can see that, um, you know, we have the capacity to imagine that very clearly. And so we need a distraction from that. So... Uh, we're contending with these things all the time. We're contending with, with seeking this distraction and this shiny object syndrome, this seeking novelty. And it makes it really difficult to stay devoted to just one thing. Now, one of the other seminars I went to was talking about um, evolution and how we've evolved in terms of being monogamous. So a long time ago, we would all die at around about 35. So, you know, the whole point of being alive was to reproduce, as it may be now for many of the creatures in the animal kingdom. Um, so we remained monogamous, monogamous because it was um, the best way to guard against infanticide. You know, if there are two parents bringing up the baby, one of them can go and get food, the other one can stay behind and protect the young against predators. Um, and of course, then, as soon as the baby is old enough to look after themselves, the parents die because that was our lifespan back then. So we, were, we could maybe have been pre-programmed to only stay with one partner until the age of 35, just until the child rearing was done. So yes, until death do us part was, was quite accurate then. However, you know, nowadays... We live for two and a half times longer almost than that. So you can imagine that it's, um, you know, not, that it doesn't have, we don't have the same drivers as we used to, to stay in that monogamous relationship. Um, and this could explain the, the fact that we now have midlife crisis because our midlife now was the time that we died years and years and years ago. So um, our brains also, though, have increased in size. OK, so this this is actually a good thing. 
in the in the past our ancestors had very small brains they were only really thinking about um, reproducing and survival and they could have had I would imagine that they did have affection for one another as as um, you know apes do now um, but as our as our brains have got bigger we are now able to invest much more in our relationships so we are invested emotionally physically and spiritually you know we have that real connection with our partner and that goes a long way to to guarding against this kind of shiny object syndrome that we can't help having and this need for distraction that we also can't help having um, so if we feel strongly enough about our partner if we feel that they are the one then then that's enough to withstand the the first order desire for novelty and distraction you know that second order desire is to stay faithful to our partner is much easier um so um the other thing is that that people change a great deal between the age of 20 and 40 um, you know, and if you grow alongside your partner and you change together, that's great. If you don't, that makes it even more difficult. So, you know, it, it is quite hard, I think. And it makes me even more um, sure than ever that we need to make sure that when we get married, when we decide to commit to somebody uh, for life, that it we really feel 100% that they're the one, you know, that they're the right one for us, that they're not just someone we're settling for because we're at that stage in life where it's time to have babies and it's time to buy a house and yes, I'm with this person now, so I think this person will do because, you know, it, it's hard enough and as you can as you can understand, it's, it's even harder by all the things that we're also contending with that our ancestors have kind of left us with. So that's just a very sort of, I hope you've understood that. I've written a blog about it as well. If you head over to my website, you can you can see that. Um, and I explain it in a little bit more detail there. But, you know, it just makes me think that we need to make sure we don't settle for less than absolute certainty that this person is the one for us if, if we want to guard against infidelity and divorce and all that other stuff that we that is heartbreaking that we don't want to, to have to contend with. So... Um, as usual, I would really love to hear your thoughts on this. I know it's quite a contentious issue, as I said at the beginning, so please feel free to comment below. Let me know what you think, um, any questions that you might have, any clarity you're seeking. That would be, I would love to, I would love to talk to you about this. I would love to have a conversation below. Um, and also, if you found it interesting, please share. I would love for more people to see what I am doing and what I am trying to achieve for for single people out there and um, as I said last time there is a special offer that I'm doing in January where if you decide that you want to work with me I have a bonus that is worth around about £700 so I would love to um, I'd love to talk to you on the phone if that's something that you you think you might be interested in so you can book a call with me if you go to um, talktorachel.com Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. You can book a call there and I can help you to make sure that you're ready to find the one and to make sure that you commit to the right person for for life. So give me a um, uh, go over to go over there and book your call and I would love to talk to you. Um, thank you very much. See you again.